My Mac Podcast number 213, sponsored by Posimotion and Mac Sales. This week, Mark Alta Cruz with Abletad. You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. And this week's show is sponsored by Posimotion and Mac Sales. And I've got David. Hello, David Cohen in the UK. Good evening to all. It's just you and I as the host this week. Guy Searle is going to be off for a couple of weeks. Uh, we had to shuffle our schedule around a little bit, and Guy couldn't make it. So you're stuck with me. Or I'm well, stuck with you, one of the two. I'm not sure what. We're, we're stuck with each other. We're stuck with each other. But we do have a special guest to kick off the show. Hello, Mark. Hello, how are you? Mark Altacruz, Abeltat Software, Abeltat Music, I should say. Is it music or is it is it just That's Abeltat? Abeltat is the name of the company. It's an Irish word that means ability. And uh, we make several products of which the flagship one is called Muse. Now, let's back up. I posted a video. Um, I'm trying to find what video it was. Here it is. Uh, YouTube Mac video pick number 15. Uh, I posted this up on December 3rd. I was, as I'm wont to do, I'll jump on YouTube and try to find some cool Mac-related stuff and post it up at MyMac.com. Now, this one kind of jumped out at me because John Nemo had been copying me on some emails telling me about your product a little bit. Uh, but quite honestly, I get so much email on, on different products that I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it until yeah. I saw this video. And I have to say, this video blew me away. Do you want to describe what this video was, what I was seeing and why the people listening will think this is cool. Oh, well, okay. Well, first of all, I'm glad you liked it. Um, basically, uh, it's a video that we posted on YouTube that uh, we had put together that kind of walks through the, the software. And the software itself, which is, again, called Muse, is uh, a, a bit of software that allows people, you know, regardless of their ability uh, in music, to compose uh, soundtracks to some edited QuickTime video. So uh, the difference being that, I mean, there's a lot of soundtrack software out there uh, of which we fit into that mix really, really well. Most of it's uh, loop stuff, though. No, it's not loops. It actually no, I'm composes... saying no, the, the other stuff that, uh, that you kind of compete against, that's loopy stuff, like you find in GarageBand. Right, there's there's loops out there. There's some that uh, actually do some calculations, but it's all it, most of that is pre-recorded. Um, this composes uh, based on color content within the QuickTime video, so it responds to color. It, it seems like magic. I, I watched the demo video, and that's you talking on the video, correct? Yes, it is. I'm watching this video, and you're composing this music, and you're you're setting. Uh, points in the video for different instruments and different sounds to come in, and you're changing the pitch. You're completely changing the mood of the music. It seemed like magic to me. It it, it seemed like magic in the way that the new Photoshop's uh, scale thing works. That's the kind of software this is. It's it, you shouldn't be able to do this. This doesn't seem like it's real. <laughs> it it's really really cool to see. 
Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's, it was a long time coming. We uh, spent a, uh, a lot of years in development uh, on it. And, and really, the company was founded um, by Shuan Riley, who is our CEO. And she and uh, a video editor friend of hers, uh, who is very technically adept, a fellow by the name of Justin McCarthy, they're from Galway, Ireland. Um, they, they proposed this idea one night, probably over cocktails on a napkin for all I know, uh, it, which was basically what if, I mean, what if we had some software that could give us temporary tracks or finished tracks to short form or long form videos that we're working on that were royalty free? Hmm. Because it's, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, kind of confounds a lot of people um, in their early stages, especially in the early stages of, of becoming video editors, is that when they're working on content for a client or for themselves, the tendency is they have a, a sound or a thought or some music in their head and they want to go you know, to their iTunes music library and use that. Well, if you keep it for yourself, I suppose in certain ways that's okay. Uh, that's fair use. But once it gets published, once it's out there, if you haven't paid a fee for using or for the rights to use that music, you can get in a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> so yeah. um, so what, what they proposed was, you know, how can we get something that anybody can use um, that even if you don't play a musical instrument. So that's how this whole thought process began. And well, I can tell you, I do a lot of corporate, I don't want to say a lot, I do corporate video work. And mm-hmm. I quite often they'll say, well, we would like uh, to use this song, and this song happens to be copyrighted music. And I say, you really can't. Well, you could, but it's going to cost you just a ton of money, and it's probably mm-hmm. not going to be worth it. So somebody like me that's doing these corporate videos, this kind of software is right up my alley. Yeah, this and it's absolutely perfect for for event or corporate video, uh, for the wedding videographer, for uh, short form, you know, stings for radio. Well, not for radio, but for for television. Um, and it's also great as a, as an idea generator too, um, because one of the things that Muse does so eloquently um, is once it's composed, once it has composed a, a bit of music and you do some arranging, and, and the arranging, by the way, is done in, you know, in, in ways that are very familiar to most video editors. We use keyframes uh, to insert things like panning or transposition, changing instruments, things like that. Um, once you're done with your composition within Muse, you can export it in one of two pro audio formats, Wave or AIFF, mm-hmm. or you can export it as QuickTime, or you can export the the five tracks that it creates as MIDI. And oh, really? You, oh, yeah. Once you export that as MIDI, um, you can import that uh, or the pro audio fi- file formats into GarageBand, Logic, Pro Tools, you know, whatever DAW application you happen to be using. And um, really change the, the sound of the music at that point. Exactly. So you're really not locked in. I mean, first of all, Muse comes with – it's a fairly large application because we ship it with sounds. And, and the reason we ship it with a lot of sounds is we look at you know the baseline video editor who may or may not have much in terms of a sound library, especially for instruments. They may have a lot of effects and you know Foley effects and things like that, but they may not necessarily have instruments. So we ship it with nearly two gigabytes of the Garrett and Sound Library. 
And so that oh. makes a fairly healthy sized application. Um, the application itself is so, you know, 20, 30 megabytes, but the rest of it is all sounds. Um, now, this is not a cheap piece of software usually. Uh, no, it's inexpensive. Uh, I should say well, it's not. It's not inexpensive. It's not inexpensive, and it's not really uh, inexpensive. Uh, when we first started shipping the product version one in, I think it was uh, November of two thousand seven, um, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Um, it was actually quite expensive. I think it was over a thousand dollars U.S. Wow! But but um, what happened was over time we became better at what we were doing like any you know software company and we were able to reduce that price and we brought it down to four hundred ninety five dollars and um, we had it there for a while and oh several months ago we made the decision to get it into more hands of people so you know the technology had been paying for itself so we brought the price to uh, two ninety nine and uh, right now there's a December special going on as a matter of yeah, fact. Yeah, I was, was going to mention that um, one of our sponsors MacSales.com, Otherworld Computing, uh, is going to offer this up on their website right now to our listeners and the people who read the website. Right now, you can get Muse 2.0 for 149 bucks. Yeah. Awesome, awesome price for the software. I'm going to put a link to the Mac Sales uh, page so you can buy it directly there on show notes 213. So 213. Um, you only got to December 31st, though. I mean, get it before December 31st. And you're saving what, half half the price. You're going to save 150 yeah. bucks. Absolutely. So, how long have you Very. been into computers, Mark? Oh my goodness! Um, I got my first Mac um, in '84, like so many of us. But before that, I worked for um, uh, a musical instrument manufacturer by the name of Roland. I think a lot of people have heard that name. And uh, I was one of the first. Clinicians, <laughs> sounds kind of cold and critical, doesn't it? I was a fresh clinician uh, working for uh, Roland, and uh, back then we were dabbling in software. As a matter of fact, um, somebody who is quite famous in, in Hollywood uh, and a very dear friend of mine, uh, a guy by the name of Jeff Rona, who is a film composer, uh, he's done a tremendous a lot of, uh, amount of work. Um, he was a software developer. Uh, slash musician, and he wrote a program for Roland back then called MIDI User Sequencer Editor, which, by the way, comes out as Muse. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, who, you know, who knows? So anyway, that was when I first started dabbling in in the music software side uh, with MIDI User Sequencer Editor, and that was on an Apple IIe. Wow! So that's that's going way back. And that's that's actually before MIDI uh, had arrived. Uh, back then, all the manufacturers had their own system protocols for connecting the various uh, components. So it was Taro Kakahashi and uh, Mothersbaugh and a number of people from – Dave Smith from Sequential Circuits and people from Yamaha. They all got together and decided upon this protocol, which became MIDI. And that was – a long time ago. A long time ago. Yeah. A billion years in computer terms. Yes, it is, yeah. So you worked for another company as well recently. Yeah, I worked for uh, Apple for six and a half, seven years, something like that. Apple. Um, I've heard of them somewhere. I'm not sure where. Though. Yeah, Sounds yeah, yeah crazy, crazy fruit company. <laughs> um, 
I had an absolute blast uh, working there. Um, I worked for some pretty amazing people uh, over at uh, at Apple here in the U.S. Uh, back then, I was the they, they they like long titles over there. So I was the worldwide uh, marketing manager for music and audio. And then in the beginning of 2005, I got to know a guy by the name of Lionel Payet, who was running all the pro audio in Europe. And he and I began chatting about building a business development uh, side for pro audio, for music and, and pro audio products uh, in Europe. So I moved with my family, once we came to terms, moved my family to uh, London and lived there for two and a half years before uh, coming back here. And that was uh, that was a, a wonderful job. Uh, Lionel and Dave Cockle and all those guys over there, I, uh, I miss them. They're, they're a bunch of great people. Um, but now Actually, what, working for Apple, does it kind of spoil you on the, the mystique of Apple, the product mystique, or does it only reinforce that? Actually, there's, there's, there's a reinforcement because I, I, I really – I always appreciated the company. Uh, from a pro perspective, you know, being a musician myself and always using the, the product, the hardware in one way, shape, or fashion, uh, going to work on the inside of the company and being there at the beginning of OS X and, you know, working with the uh, some of the development team, you know, they would come to me and go, here's an idea, you know, does it make sense in the pro audio world? And and just having a little smidgen of a part of that, you know, not that I was a decision maker, which I wasn't, but to to be a part of OS X and core audio and core MIDI and everything that it became, um, and it lived up and surpassed its promise. Uh, so being on the outside now, looking back in, I look back at that time, you know, with, with quite a bit of pride and um, and a lot of reverence for what happens inside that company. I know those uh, some of those people very very well, and they're astonishing. Uh, engineers and, and marketing people, just just wonderful. Yeah, you know, I, I've had people ask me in the past, I mean, I've been doing MyMac.com since 1995, which makes us around 70 years old in Internet terms, and <laughs> I've had people ask me if, if you had a job offer to work at Apple, would you do it? And my answer is always the same, no, uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, because I like my independence, number one, and number two, they probably wouldn't let me continue MyMac.com if I worked for the company. Yeah, uh, but more than that, I, I I think I would be afraid to lose my innocence when it comes to the products and the mystique that surrounds the company, and I enjoy that mystique. I enjoy the uh, the feeling of being a Mac user without being on the inside. So listening to you, though, maybe um, it wouldn't be the uh, such a bad thing. No, it, it really isn't because once you get to know the people in there, and 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 actually, you know. When when I left Apple, when when I was at NA, which is how I found uh, AppleTat, by the way, I, I was at an NAB show, you know, marching my way through the crowds to try and get down to uh, South Hall, you know, where a lot of innovation happens, you know, um, and uh, was walking around, and all of a sudden I heard these uh, these folks talking about soundtracks, and I stopped and I looked and met Shun and, and Justin and saw what the technology was. So it, it, it's it's almost akin to the same excitement I had when I was at Apple on the verge of, you know, knowing these technologies were, were coming for as much as they would, you know, let various departments know on the inside, which they really don't. And then with with me at Abletat, 
it's it's the same kind of feeling, you know, knowing what's happening in in the near future with this technology, and how it will progress over time, and how it will reach more people. And the fundamental thing is, with with Abeltat is we truly want to make a product that that solves a problem, you know, uh, in, in this case, you know, music licensing. Um, and, and do it in such a way that uh, gets people uh, an end result music that is enjoyable to listen to on its own and fits with the supportive narrative of, of the film itself or, or, the, or the video work. So, you know, that's, that's kind of why I went to that company. I was just – I, I the, resist. The, is there, is there a, a draw to a smaller company where you know everybody's name who works for the company? I, I, in certain ways, I guess that's true. Um, but then again, they're all in Galway, Ireland, and I'm in San Jose, California. So there's, there's you're the you ultimate know, outsider at this point. Then I, I, am, I am the ultimate outsider. You know, so I, I've been there, uh, you know, on a, on a couple of occasions. And uh, but I, I truly think they're a, a great group of, of engineers and developers over there, and they're just so into their work and so into making the product uh, the best that it can be. So in in that respect too, it also reminds me of uh, a lot of the engineers over at Apple. You know, they just won't stop until they get it right. Gotcha. If you could go back in time and you could take one gadget with you, you can bring a Mac with you, an iPhone with you, uh, what would it be to show your younger self, your 16-year-old self? What would be the one product you'd want to take back in time? That's a hard question. Because um, I mean, I you could take the Mac, but you can't get online, obviously. Yeah. I, I, I Actually, I, I wouldn't worry about getting online. I would take the computer... Um, could I have some software too and, a, and an interface Absolutely. device? Sure. Okay. Well, then done. It's it would definitely be the Mac. Uh, so I could go back in time and show my 16 year old self what to look forward to, and then slap me for making some of the decisions that I had made back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really does. You know, wake up, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know as much as you think. Smack, yeah. smack, smack, smack. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one, definitely. Yeah. So is there like one thing on the Mac that you would what, – what would your 16-year-old self be the most impressed with? Would it be the video editing capabilities of these computers? Would it be um, the, the – I'm assuming that you'd have like your entire MP3 collection on there. Um, what do you think that your 16-year-old self would be the most impressed with? Uh, music for film. Um, being able to take a product, you know, like Muse and, and Logic and, and how everything is designed to, to work together in, in a workflow. And, uh, oh, look, let's take this digital representation of a film, you know, because, you know, when I was 16, it was all celluloid, Jack. And, um, you know, show how that's imported and, uh, you know, really give myself uh, an education, a, a wake-up call to the future. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show this week. And again, uh, 149 bucks right now from Muse 2.0. Follow the link at MyMac Podcast number 213 at MyMac.com. It's going to take you right to our sponsor, Otherworld Computing. Uh, they've got it up there right now. It's limited, though. you got to get it before December 31st. And if you don't, it's $299. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you walking around on the showroom floor, Mark. Look for uh, the MyMac staffer. Some of us will be wearing uh, black and blue bowling shirts with our logo on the front. So... Uh, keep an eye out for us, and if you see us at the Macworld Expo, pull us aside and say hi. I will hail you. And we will be right back with a special guest in all the week's news. 
And it's time for Cool Mac Picks with Sam Levin. Sam's joining us on the Skype call. Hello, Sam Levin. Hello. So, How are you? You know what? I'm really good. I'm really excited about a lo- so many cool applications coming out on the iPhone. I almost feel like I'm neglecting my Mac lately. You know, there's just so many cool stuff on the iPhone right now. It's just fantastic. And no. tell me you have something for me this week for the Macintosh because I need to get I do. back into I do. the Macintosh. I actually, I actually do, and I'm really excited about it, guys, because this morning they just did an update that supports MacBook, MacBook Pro, and the three-finger swiping or pinching you know, technology that Apple has built into the MacBook line or the touchpads. Yep. So the product is called DJ. That's D. Uh, J-A-Y, which stands for DJ, and it's a DJ application for the Mac. It's only on the Mac. Uh, it's, it is cool, folks. Now, what, what you do is you open up DJ, and it gives you two turntables, one to the left, one to the right. They look like identical turntables that uh, DJs will use to do their scratching and their mixing, and it opens your library to the right, which is your iTunes library. So it taps into your iTunes library, and at any time, you can move your song over to any of those turntables. You can do mixing, scratching. You can do up-tempo. You can downbeat it. Uh, it. It is absolutely cool. Now, what's really cool about it, not only can you do this and do your live DJing from your Mac, it will record. So you can record your mixes. You could uh, send them out. Uh, it creates an MP4 file of it, and it invokes the trackpad functions. So, for instance, I don't know if you can hear this here. Let's see if you can hear this. Let me, let me. Uh, I created one. How is there an ability to let you listen to it? I have it right here on my desktop. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I've got a cool riff that I'll send you. That's funny, funny, funny. And uh, you're able to do the three finger swipe from your trackpad on the MacBook or MacBook Pros, and it will automatically um, start doing some weird kind of scratching. scratching stuff. That's cool. Okay, it's really nice. Um, they've done, I think, a stupendous job. The UI is beautiful. These guys know how to program. Uh, it's a German company, and uh, it's called DJ. I just think it's cool. It's 49 bucks, um, and it's... It's just cool. It's DJ Software. That's the name of the site, dj-software.com. Hmm. Um, so I, they have a trial version that you can go up and try it, and uh, I think that you're not able to save. That's the difference with the trial. Yeah, but you so, can at least check it out and see if it's something that you'd like. Ab- absolutely, and they just came out with the update this morning. I just, I'm into music. I would love to do DJ on my Mac. This is the first one that I've seen that does it. And it's well. There's other software packages that have been very expensive, uh, and this they just bring it down to the common denominator. It's very easy to use. I'm not a techie, um, but I'm into music anyway. Check it out. It's called DJ. Um, so that's our Mac application. You will get your fix for that uh, app, Tim. But don't you um, do? You don't you need a, a laptop though to do it though? You don't need any laptop. You could use any Mac. It doesn't matter. The laptop, the point is, is that if you have a MacBook with, the, obviously, the trackpad functionality, you could do special things that the other Macs can't do by using your three-finger swipe or pinching. 
And I just think it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I I guess with this, what you could do is you could kind of do your your mix session for for some kind of a club or something. Right. Record it, record it, stick it on your iPod, and then just plug your iPod into the uh, into the club's yep. audio system, and then speak yep. over the top of it. You wouldn't actually need to actually do it live if you didn't want to have to do that. If right. You didn't you, have a laptop. Yeah, but the the thing is, all the guys carry laptops. Uh, you see, they all carry them now. But this is this is a complete DJ system. It's just beautiful. The UI, I think, is really really nice. I've been playing with it for about two and a half weeks now, and I just uh, I just uh, updated it this morning with this uh, new update. So check it out. I think it's worth the ticket price. Um, next up is uh, a product uh, from DLO. It's called the iBoom Jukebox. And uh, DLO has been making Mac and, well, iPod-related products for years. Now, of course, they're a subsidiary of Philips. They were purchased about a year ago or something like that from Philips. So they're kind of a separate uh, division. They still make pretty cool products. I think this is one of the best products I've seen them make um, in a long time. And basically, it looks like a mini jukebox uh, that is, you know, maybe a, a foot and a half tall by t- 10 inches wide. And it's got a dock built in, and then surrounding it are speakers. Now, this is, this is a, I would call it transportable because you have to have AC power. So it has to plug in. You can use any iPod that has a 30 pin connector. Um, it will work with an iPod touch. I tested it on the iPhone. It's not uh, guaranteed for that. They don't have the authentication chip, but it does work. Cool. So I tested it. So what's really neat about this, guys, is that it's got a built in RF remote. And the remote uh, has got a color LCD backlit uh, screen. You can walk around your house. You can watch the cover art. You can control your iPod using this. So all the functionality or most of the functionality on your iPod you have with this remote. And it's RF. That means it's radio frequency. So you don't have to be line of sight directly like your TV. You could could walk around and use this. And... Um, also, they built the controls on the facade of the jukebox, so it's all touchscreen controls. Um, I would say it's very, very slick, uh, very, very worth the price. It's 199 bucks, and um, also the remote docks and charges on the back of the unit with a magnetic docking system. Oh, cool! So you just connect it. You don't have to worry. How many times do you forget your remote or? You know, it, a lot of times. This is really well done. I mean, these guys were thinking when they put this together. Um, I just think it's nice. It's well done. Uh, it's called the DLO iBoom Jukebox. And for those and, who uh, are actually in the chat room right now watching the live feed, or you can go up to MyMac.com and, and find uh, the pre-recorded. I'm actually holding it up right now, Sam. Awesome. I'll get it up nice and close after I bump the mic and, and make it sound like crap. There it That's is. Right. You know what I really think is really cool is how the uh, remote control is magnetized on the back. It's and it it's charges at, that it's thing. brilliant. It's at, so cool. It's it's so cool. No one no one has done that combination that it's it's actually docking and charging at the same time. So it holds it in place. You won't lose it. It's 
it's a nice looking uh, piece of hardware. I gave them some suggestions. I said, guys, make some grills so that you could put different colored grills over it. So if you want to put it in different rooms, you could have different colors, you know, to go over the speaker. Yeah, so, that would be cool. I would like that. Uh, well, I would the also other, like it if it was in wood grain instead of the, the, the well, plasticky black look. Well, hence the grills, Tim, could be simulated. It wouldn't matter if it looked like that. Yeah. Also, it would protect it from the cloth because it's cloth that goes over the speakers, and that would protect it from scratching or scraping. So they they like those ideas. And, I, you know, I, I think there's some other enhancements. But remember, this just shipped. This is like five days out the gate. So we were one of the first ones to get the product. I think it's good. I think that uh, they'll do well. It's very portable. And, um, I mean, you could bring it anywhere. If you're on a trip, you can throw it in the car, bring it to your friend's home. How's the resolution of the screen on the remote? It's not it's, bad. It's not it's, bad at all. I could say that. It's not bad. It's not bad. You're not. It's, look, it's not kind of, iPod nano quality, no, but, no, I mean, no. it's nice. I like it. No. You're not yeah. going to get resolution from that. It, it, the resolution that you really care about is the text more than anything. The cover art, yeah. that's not what that's for. You, you can it's navigate. Um, it's, it's real easy to navigate through your library with it. Uh, I yep. enjoy using it. it. It seems like I haven't used it for an extended period of time yet. In fact, uh, it's been like four days and the remote's dead already because I didn't full, fully charge it while it was plugged in. But I really yep. like it. It works well. Yep, I, I like it. Anyway, it's called the... DLO iBoom Jukebox. And then lastly in our you know section of goodies for the Mac, um, or really this is more for iPod, is EWU. Now EWU, we, we talked about them before. They make um, this really big speaker system called eFizz. Well, they also make a mini version called the eFizz Travel. And basically it's a small scaled-down version of their eFizz, and it's a small uh, battery-powered speaker for your iPod. It works with the iPod Touch. I've used it on the iPhone. Um, it will work with almost any iPod that has a 30-pin connector. It's got a remote. I just did an unboxing of this, Sam, on uh, Unbox number 17. E-Wooing oh, e Yep. e They're a company based out of Switzerland. Uh, what's really cool about it is, is that it's not only very, very portable, but the battery will last 28 hours with a single charge. Now, it will charge the iPod and the unit at the same time, and I think that's, that's pretty darn good uh, to have a small speaker that lasts that long. And the speaker is pretty good. I mean, it's not going to fill the entire house, but it's fine for a room. It's perfect. Yeah, I, um, it, yeah. it seems like I, a I, small unit, but it looks nice. I haven't actually taken it out of the box yet, though. No, I, I've I've been using one and I, and I've really kind of fallen for it. It's a it's a really nice little unit, uh, and what's cool as well is it's not. It, I mean, even though it's got a speaker in it, it's not too big, so it it's really portable, and you can use it to um to sync your iPod as well if you plug the USB cable in. Right, there's a sync. I forgot all about that. It does the syncing as well, so it's multifunctional. Also, it's really well made. This isn't when you pick up certain kinds of. Plastic. It feels really plasticky. This doesn't feel that way. It's um, no. it's like a lacquer finish. It's it's a it's very lustered, and I I think it's well done. Um, that anyway, that's called the Ewu E Fizz Travel. It's listed on our site, or it will be listed. It's Ewu E W O O dot com. It's one hundred ninety nine bucks, um, but that ticket price gets you everything from a sinking speaker. Oh, 
uh, that docks all iPods and lasts 28 hours. So I think that's pretty good um, for a speaker like that. So that's from EWU. And then lastly, um, our cool app pick. This is something that's fun and won't cost you a dime. And it's called the Holiday Mistletoe. And it's, I, I think it's great, obviously, because one of the reasons is it's free. But there's a lot of free ones, and it's perfect for holiday. Basically, it's a mistletoe. You shake your phone, and you hear the jingles of the mistletoe. And if you press anywhere on the screen, it's a big smooch sound. <laughs> that's cool. And I, I just think that's cool. Yeah, you so got to have the fun stuff on the iPhone. you got to have yeah, that stuff. But it's free. I mean, it's free. I mean, what what's not to like about something like that? So I can go around to, you know, all the, you know, nice ladies and say, here, it's mistletoe time. Isn't that cool? Very cool. <laughs> anyway, that's from Cool App Picks. And a lot more to come uh, next week. Hopefully uh, next week. Are we doing another show next week? Yeah, next week we're recording on Thursday, the uh, 18th of December. And then uh, we kind of switch it around. We're going to be on Friday on the 26th of, uh, because of Christmas, obviously. We'll be recording that one on Friday, the 26th. And then the following Friday, we'll be doing another Friday show on the 2nd because of New Year's Day. So uh, one Thursday show next week, and then we're going to be back to Friday. And then after that, Macworld Expo. Well, well, next week is the Hanukkah edition because Hanukkah begins December 21st. So, folks out there, I do celebrate it. So you can send me all those cool Hanukkah gifts. Thank you. That's cool. right. One present, one present every day for eight days. Yep. Eight days. <laughs> but you know what, guys? If you pool all your money, just one big gift is fine. No problem. No problem. And I'll celebrate Christmas with you, and we'll call it Chrismica. <laughs> Christmas. So it's okay. Absolutely. No problem. We, you know, we, just we make need a holiday day. that's just non-denominational for any religion. It's just, it's a festivus. <laughs> it's, you know, I do, I do Hanukkah, I do Christmas, I just don't do PC. There okay? you go. There, there we go. So that's it from Sam. Thanks, Sam. We'll uh, see you Thanks, next Sam. week. Thanks a lot, guys. His name's Sam Levin, and he is the miser of all things cool. We'll be right back. And we're back, and we want to thank Sam Levin once again for his cool Mac picks this week. I'm I'm a little excited about the Mac. I, it was kind of starting to go all iPhone all the time, all apps, and can't have that. This is a Mac show. Even though the iPhone is made by Apple, this is still a Mac show, and, and we, we do need to bring it back to the Mac, of course. But it, it's kind of a hard tightrope to walk, David. I mean, that there's it so is. many cool things going on on the iPhone. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of focus on the development community on the iPhone, but, uh, you know, every now and again you come across a, a new app that you've not seen on the Mac and you just, just brings home to you what, a, what really it is a great platform as well. One of the things I wanted to talk about quickly here uh, before we move on to, you know, all the news and all that is, uh, I don't know if you saw this, up on MyMac.com right now, David, we posted a new article on the 11th of December, it's called New MyMac Family Member, Longtime MyMac Fan. It's written by a guy named Mark Rudd. And Mark yeah. was actually at our podcast meetup last year at the Macworld Expo. And Mark joins us on the show right now. Hello, Mark. Hey, hey, hey. How's everybody doing? 
Good, but the thing is, it's you know we've been talking for like almost a half hour now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's, we're welcoming you to the show that you've been on for the last half hour chatting with us. Well, it feels uh, like home. But you know, I wanted to bring you on to the podcast because obviously you've been a, a listener of the podcast for a long time. We met you last year and uh, had a nice uh, dinner and met you at the you know, the meetup, and uh, we got your first article up on mymac dot com. So. Might as well have you on the podcast for your first week here at MyMac. It's great to be here, Tim. Um, yeah, last year was really awesome. Looking forward to a great Macworld 2009. Even though David won't be with us, we'll be sad, but uh, we'll carry on in his absence. Somebody else that was at the MyMac podcast meetup, and uh, he's not a member of the staff, but he's family member just the same. His name's Bill Palmer. He runs iProng Magazine, and Bill Palmer is here on the call, too. Hello, Bill. Hey, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Are you going to make it to our podcast meetup this year again? Looks like it. Uh, you know, I'll be getting in uh, just a couple hours before then on my flight, but I'll uh, see if I can book it over there and meet up with you in time. Well, if you can't, uh, it starts at 3 o'clock. It's going to be at Moscone South. We're going to meet right outside the doors at Moscone South. So if you guys don't know what we look like, just look for a whole bunch of geeky Mac users standing around in a semicircle chatting with, you know, flip cameras recording and, and iPods and iPhones hanging out of our pockets and that's probably the MyMac crew. <laughs> but if you can't make it, uh, immediately after our 3 o'clock, probably around 4 or 4.30, we're going to go over to Mel's Diner, sit down, have some food, and plan the rest of the evening out, Bill. So if you miss us at Moscone South, come over to Mel's Diner. It's just, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump away, just basically across the street around the corner. You know, I I, uh, I live across the street from the Mel's Diner in Los Angeles, so that's, that's a real treat for me to go to the restaurant that I go to like <laughs> four times a week when I don't want to cook. Yeah. But, uh, so so here you are, you, you go to sexy San Francisco, and you're eating at the same place. <laughs> I know. <laughs> at least I don't have to look at the men. No, the food's good, though, and you know it's a fun place. And The meetup was, uh, that you guys did last year was a lot of fun. I think that's where I met Mark for the first time. So uh, Exactly. That's where I met him. Um, I, I've got a lot of pictures from the last Macworld Expo. Maybe I'll post a link on shelf 213. Uh, I'm going to write a note for myself now. Post link to Macworld 08 uh, photo album. And it's just something that I posted up on my mobile me account. Um, and let's talk about that a little bit. I got my notice today that my mobile me is going to expire pretty soon and we were having an off the air conversation whether i should renew it or let it expire what's your take david well i've been thinking just recently that when mine comes or mine's not going to renew till uh, april but i'm i'm going to stop it renewing i just really it's become so unreliable for me that it's just not something i want to pay money for unfortunately yeah you know, my thing is i think my bookmarks, I think iCal, um, but that's really all I use it for. And there's third-party uh, applications and services that will do that as well. That's right, and they'll they'll, they'll do them for free. I mean, I think I think my calendars with Google Mail, and I use that as a as a route for uh, free syncing of my calendars. And uh, for files, I use Dropbox, and for um, bookmarks, I use Foxmarks because I use, tend to use Firefox nowadays or on the Safari. Um, Someone so, on the Ustream is asking, does anybody use Mosey? Um, I don't use Mosey, but have you heard of that, Bill or Mark? Not, I haven't, I haven't no. heard of Mosey, but I'm in the same boat that you are, Tim. I mean, I've, I've been using MobileMe, and um, I, you know, I, I let my subscription 
run out because really um, what I'm sinking, it, it would seem kind of high to pay $100 for what it's become bookmark sinking for me. You can get it for like 69 bucks at Amazon, though. But I'm not That's, sure how that works. Do you let it expire through Apple and then renew it through Amazon? Or if you buy it through Amazon, do they give you a code that you can put into it and then, boom, it's automatically a year? How does that work? I'm not sure. Does anybody know? I don't know. I know that now. It, I, go ahead, Bill. So I was just because if you let it expire, I imagine your your uh, address is not something you're going to be able to get back because they you know they would keep that. It's like when your uh, you know like when you let domain name expire and it goes into the period where no one can claim it. So I don't imagine you know if you're going to switch over, I think you'd have to change to a new username and email address. Maybe I don't think so though because uh, AOL did that, and what AOL will do is basically hold that screen name forever and ever and ever, hoping that you renew your subscription. And you can get it back again. But chat room, uh, Pat in the chat room is saying 14 days before you lose your address if you, uh, if you let it lapse. My, my address there is uh, my pictures. And the reason it's my pictures is because I was trying to, when, when dot Mac first launched, I was a, um, what was it called before? iTools user. When iTools first came out, and this is Mac OS nine days, uh, I signed up immediately. So I've been a, a user of the service since it launched. And I was a user of the service when it became a, a paid service, which ticked a lot of people off. Everyone was screaming bait and switch. We signed up for this free account, and now you want to charge us $100 a year. A lot of people were upset when, when uh, .Mac first launched at 100 bucks a year. But I went ahead and did it. Uh, I think that was, what, 2001, 2002 that .Mac launched. So they've got 100 bucks for me every year since the service launched. And I just don't use it for anything. It's It's one of those things that... Other than iCal and and bookmarking, there's just really not a whole big strong need for me to do that. Well, now yeah. I'm syncing. I'm able to sync my iCal and my Google calendars. And I, David, I think you said you use Nuevo Sync. Yeah. And 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 that's a that's a free service. But then you can also use uh, the uh, the the Google Calendar has now made it uh, open to be able to sync back and forth as well as iCal. Through Apple, where you can now sync without even using Nuevo Sync, and you didn't, yeah. when you go into either one of them, they will automatically update each other. So you know it's a That's pretty right. good solution for free. Yeah, I, I, the reason I stick with uh, the reason I use Nuevo Sync as well is just because I need a uh, over the air synchronizing to my iPhone. Um, so uh, you know that's, that does that's your contacts way of... as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit of house cleaning. I I want to mention. Our other sponsor, obviously, we've already talked about MacSales.com, Otherworld Computing. Uh, they've got that sale going on right now for uh, Abeltat, uh, the Muse Software 2.0, and that's a that's, that is a good deal, 150 bucks, 149 dollars. But our yeah. other sponsor is Posimotion. They make some really great iPhone, iPod Touch software. Last week, I talked about the level, A-level, and I still think that's really cool. And there's more features to that software that I mentioned last week, but we'll talk about that um, on a future show. Excuse me. This week, I want to talk about G-Spot. <laughs> I can't say the name of that software without cracking up. It's, so it's, is, is that like a, a map mapping and location application? Yeah, it, it comes with a compass, and so it will tell you which direction... <laughs> I didn't name the software. Posimotion <laughs> named it. Blame them. I think it's I think it's great because they have the compass and they also have one that's called Spot Me. And it's a shortcut to pinpoint your current location instantly in Google Maps. 
And so, you know, you launch this, you, you click it, and then in Google Maps, it shows you exactly where you are. Obviously, you do need a 3G iPhone for this to work because it's using, um, if it's going to pinpoint you, you got to have GPS. If you don't have the 3G phone like me, you just have the first generation, it'll give you an approximate area. You're, you're somewhere within these five block radius. Um, it'll also do share it instantly email your current location and the email link will, uh, take you right to the Google map. So if I sent something to you, David, it yeah. will send you a direct link right to Google map. So, you know, right where I'm at. And cool. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and it also gives you info like, uh, latitude, longitude, altitude, heading, speed, accuracy, date and time of the most recent location update, that sort of thing. It's $1.99. It's available right now in the App Store. If you're looking, again, to show off the capabilities of your cell phone that most cell phone users don't have, this is another great application to do that with. G-Spot position, position sharing application for the iPhone and iPod Touch. It's worth, mentioning, cool. worth mentioning, Tim, if you they do um, these uh, mobile network routers. One of those has a GPS in, so even if you had a... Uh, a version one iPhone, um, you would get GPS from that if you had one of those. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. Sounds sounds fairly full featured. Yeah, definitely. And for a buck ninety nine, and it's kind of refreshing that you get something a little bit outside the norm, and it doesn't cost a dollar ninety nine. It seems like everything. I'm sorry, it doesn't cost ninety nine cent. It seems like everything nowadays up on the App Store is ninety nine cent. And there's a lot of anger right now in the development community, especially with the companies that produce a little bit higher quality software that, you know, they can't compete with these 99 cent crapware products. Um, even the products that aren't crap that are 99 cent, uh, they're still competing with the crapware. So there's got to be, I don't know, something's got to be done. There's got to be a way for quality application uh, to rise in sales, even if it's a $2 or a $10 program. But don't, but don't you think that, it's kind of lazy of them to assume that it's up to Apple to promote their application and show that it's better than the 99 cent crapware. I mean, they're meant to be doing that. Yes, but by the same token, if this is something that took you know six months to develop, and you figure the average programmer uh, an hourly rate's probably around 100 bucks an hour, that's a yeah. lot of money you have already invested in this application. Then yeah. you come out and say, yeah, it's a $10 application because it's well worth it. Um, how many people are going to pass it by rather than pick up 10 other 99 cent applications instead? Yeah, but I well, think that's, you know, that, that you've got to get the word out. You've got to get it, get out, hit the net and get the thing promoted and get it promoted elsewhere than Apple. I agree. What, what were you going to say, Bill? Uh, well, Apple already breaks the sales charts into free and paid. Maybe they need to break it into free, $2 and under, $2 and up. Uh, I think in in defense of these guys, they have it a lot tougher than music because musicians can, you know, they get the free play on the radio, the MTV, well, not MTV anymore, but all these other things. So people go into the store looking for the favorite musician. But with software, it's a lot harder to get the word out uh, that you've put a new app out. These guys have tiny budgets and stuff. So, you know, maybe if Apple throws just, just a third chart that says, you know, you know, more expensive apps, or just divided by price so no one can complain that they, you know, that they didn't get in the better category and, you know, that that could just be sort of a middle ground without having to change too much about it. I think there's ways that Apple could probably tweak the presentation in iTunes um, to make it a little easier to find and to sort out and for the good stuff to rise and the uh, the 512th 
tic-tac-toe and flashlight application to kind of fall by the wayside. You agree, Mark? Yeah, I do. Actually, uh, this week, uh, Apple has made some pretty significant changes to the App Store, and uh, they're changing the grouping a little bit and kind of taking out the most popular paid apps and breaking each out into a separate sidebar module and, uh, you know, and kind of changing the listing around so the most popular stands out and, you know, so the new layout supposedly is supposed to be more in in a more intuitive design to allow those applications to kind of uh, migrate to the top and make it a little clearer for people. That should for help those, some of the developers. For those who remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about Big Words. It's an application that for the iPhone. It's an iPhone app that I came up with this idea that you should be able to type on your phone, hit done, and the text displays really big on your iPhone screen. The screen goes black and the text is white. Very easy to read from a distance. Now, there's nothing like that so far <laughs> on uh, the App Store. Hopefully, by the time most people listen to that, this, uh, that's going to quickly change. Our app is uh, in release candidate now. It looks like we're going to be releasing it on the App Store um, geez, I, maybe tonight. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, tonight is the night. It's by Dollar App. That's the developer. It's, uh, Big Words 1.0. It too is a 99 cent app. I'm giving a little demonstration of it right now on the, uh, Ustream. So if anybody listening to this, they want to see what it looks like, uh, go up to Ustream and I've got it recording up there. It's at about the 57 minute mark on Ustream. So uh, the Ustreamers right now, you can see the keyboard, and you can type anything you want. I'm going to uh, erase my name, and I'm going to put uh, Hello World, because that's kind of the thing that Apple always does with their apps um, when they show it. Isn't that what the Macintosh said uh, the first time? Hello World? Mm-hmm. I think that's what it said. I, I'm, I think I'm it might have said hello. Time. So there it is, and... Um, it works in both portrait, I'm getting screen, there we go, portrait mode as well. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a simple application, but I think it's one of these applications that people will see and they'll go, oh, I could use that and then buy it. And quite honestly, once it hits the app store, I'm going to be promoting it like mad <laughs> because I get a cut of every everyone that sells. So that's uh, big words. Look for it up on the app store soon. Uh, so, again, thank you very much, Posimotion. Thanks, Max Sales, for sponsoring us. Uh, let's wrap up a little bit of what's going on with Macworld Expo before we move on to the news. On Wednesday, January 7th, the MyMac crew is going to be me, Sam Levin, probably, uh, Guy Searle, definitely, is going to be at the Spec Products booth. Spec Products make some great cases for both the iPhone, iPod Touch, uh, regular iPod, MacBooks, MacBook Pros. They make some really cool cases. We're going to be doing the Apple quiz. Uh, you going to be there with us, Mark? You betcha. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it was great. La last year, the, uh, the the games and everything, they were, uh, I think, The trivia questions received. we did yeah. last year. Yeah. yeah. This year is going to be a lot different. It's going to be uh, visual. You're going to see a close-up of an Apple product. And you have to guess what it is. If you guess three correctly, you win a prize. Uh, a kiss from Mark. And if you <laughs> <laughs> uh <-huh>. Or not. <laughs> uh -huh. 
No, that's if you lose. If you miss three in a row, then you get a kiss from Mark. You've got to buy my dinner at Mel's first. That's all. That's right. So that's, that's going to be one thirty, January 7th, at the spec booth. The very next day, if you miss that or if you can't show up on Wednesday, show up Thursday. Same time, one thirty, January 8th. But this time around, we'll be at the ProSoft Engineering booth with the Apple Quiz. So those are the two companies that we're going to be working with to do the Apple Quiz this year. Um, if you own a company and uh, you can get a hold of me quick enough, we still have a Tuesday and a Friday opening. We haven't actively uh, pursued those dates. But if you want us to come by your booth on uh, Tuesday or Friday, there's still time. Uh, cut a cut a check quick. <laughs> they need to, yeah, they really need to hurry, Tim, because the schedule's filling up. Absolutely. And uh, programming note, next week we're back to our Thursday recording. Um, again, the holiday time, right before Macworld, dates get screwy. But next week we're recording on December 18th on a Thursday. And then the following two weeks, December 26th and January 2nd, we'll be doing it on a Friday. So anybody on the Ustream, that's when we're going to be next Thursday here. Uh, and then uh, Friday and Friday. And then after that is Macworld, and we'll be making fun of David Cohen, who's not going to be with us. I'm, I'm hopefully <laughs> going to be able to Skype in and talk to you while you're there, though. That'll be cool, definitely. Uh, next week, we got an interview with Neil Young. No, not that Neil Young. This is a Neil Young with NG Moco. It's a brand-new company making iPhone software. So it's, well, it, the, He won't it, be it, playing his guitar, then. No, no, you won't. But th- this is kind of interesting. This guy left, I believe, EA to form. He he saw the iPhone and the iPod Touch. He saw it as the next Wii. Uh, he said, this is the next evolution in handheld gaming. I want to get in on the ground floor. And the guy started NG Moco. So cool. um, I just got a, a download of their latest. They just sent me the latest software. I think it's called Lander or something like that. I'm not quite sure. I get a lot of emails, so... Forgive me, uh, NG Moco. I, I don't remember what the name of the application is, but it was very cool. And uh, we're going to talk to them next week. Are you going to be here again, David? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's jump into the news. What's going on in the news? Mark. Well, we have a lot of news that we've been looking at over the last week. Kind of uh, going forward on a little bit of the news theme last week, um, we've noted this past week that Sony is now actually uh, cutting a lot of jobs as well, which is kind of a bellwether for uh, the economy, the world economy. Um, they're going to be looking at cutting uh, up to 16,000 jobs. But, you know, Sony's in the position where, you know, they make so many different products, not just the PlayStations, but TVs and, and digital cameras. And, I mean, they're so diverse mm-hmm. that if one of those divisions start to falter, you know, they're going to start cutting people in those divisions. Whereas a company like Apple, I think, they're so narrow-focused, uh, I think that they, they're they going to be able to weather this recession a lot better than a, a larger company like Sony or Microsoft. What do you think, Bill? Uh, possibly. I mean, it, it's, it, it's such a strange um, paradox that uh, Apple seems to be this uniquely recession-proof company. We hear about recession-proof companies being like, McDonald's or Walmart, where people stop buying good stuff and they start buying crap because it's cheaper. But Apple is, is the opposite. Do we stop buying $800 computers and now we buy a $1299 iMac instead because the economy got bad? So it's, um, it's really kind of a, a 
it's kind of fun to watch. It's a you know a scientist's head would just explode watching Apple during a recession. <laughs> I think some of them are actually. One mm-hmm. one thing I one thing I did know I just bought a, a new iPod Nano, 4G Nano, um, and I was able to get that at around about a ten percent discount by buying it online. Um, and bearing in mind that that we're before Christmas, I was somewhat surprised by that because normally you can't really get any sort of discount on Apple stuff. Uh, and um, certainly not here in the UK. And so I thought that was an in- interesting sort of like indicator of how things are going in the economy over here that I was able to get even Apple stuff at, at a marginal discount. Uh, I haven't seen too many discounts. I know a lot of people were upset with Apple because their Black Friday sales was, well, really not much of a sale at all. But by the same token, my my response to that is Apple really doesn't need to put their stuff on sale. It's still selling. Why yeah. do they need to lower the price if it's already selling like hotcakes? Exactly. You know, I I just, you know, here's the other thing. There's a new clone maker out there, Mark. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, As if we didn't learn anything from the last go-around. Exactly. Here we are with an, what's the deal with another clone maker? Well, uh, this company um, that we're we're talking about is, uh, they're they're outside of the United States. And, um, I you know, from my standpoint, it's kind of a here we go again. this uh, this company we're we're all kind of familiar with the if you want to call them the shyster or the <laughs> five star yeah. uh, debacle and how that happened. Um, there's a company that is uh, that manufactures systems um, currently and 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 they're looking at bringing in. They, they have a specific they call it their EFIX um, processor and it and it enables them to be able to uh, load kind of almost like a virtualization software and run different types of systems and so the the idea is that they're going to bring in a more powerful system and it's going to be according to the article I'm reading um, this one was uh, in Apple Insider uh, dated back December 12th and um, it's called the the EFIX USA to sell pre-made PC capable of running Mac OS 10 but basically it's going to be a more powerful unit uh, core 2 quad processor overclocked 3.8 gigahertz the, the problem that I see with this is the same thing with with iStar I, I I can't see how Apple's going to allow something like that to uh, to stand here in the United States well a little bit different in that Fistar Shyster was actually bundling Mac OS 10 pre-installed on the computers if this company doesn't do that and they simply sell a computer that's capable of running the Mac OS 10. Are they breaking the, any laws? Well, they they do this dongle that allows the um, allows the standard PC to load OS X without any sort of modification. Right. So they're bun- certainly bundling it with that dongle. So you, I guess Apple might be able to argue that's a DMCA breach. Could be. Uh, uh, you know, but this is might- not an American company, correct? Well, but if they're doing business, it really depends on where their units are going to be sold. If they're going to be sold outside the United States, and then they can be brought in, you know, shipped in or whatever. But, you know, the thing is, if there's intent there, if the machine's being sold with the idea or the intent that it can run Mac OS X, you know, then they might have a problem. Yeah. Just just looking at the story here, it says that they are USA-based. But um, they they've made it perfectly clear that they won't install the software, and they also won't bundle the dongle. You have to buy it separately. Um, so <laughs> whether that'll be that's good semantics, enough. Though. Yeah, that's well, semantics, though. Yeah, well, whether that's be good enough to to keep keep the uh, you know the dogs of law off them, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Someone in our chat chat room was saying, "I wish they would sell OS X to run on PCs natively." They do. It's called uh, Apple hardware. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And Apple makes quite a few machines that it will run natively on, and, and it will actually uh, work quite well. We actually have some uh, feedback this week. Uh, one of them's directed at you, David. Oh, yeah. Uh, Annette Benke from LearnMaxOnline.com. And I'll put a note into the, uh, I'll put this link into the show notes. Uh, sent a tip for David to watch Hulu in the UK. Annette writes, when listening to show 212, I heard David Cohen talk about not being able to watch Hulu from across the pond. Being expat myself, Ireland, I've had to learn all the tricks when it comes to keeping up with the shows from here and abroad. And she sends, or he sends a link. He? She. Hmm. She. It's got to be a she with a name I, like Annette. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was a dead giveaway. Yeah, that's a dead giveaway, isn't it? Uh, and they send a link about watching Hulu. Now, have you tried any of these tricks yet, David? Has it I did, because you? you forwarded the email separately, and um, I did have a go, and it, you know what? actually worked pretty well. Effectively, what, um, what, what you do is you install a piece of software called Hotspot Shield that um, is kind of, uh, it must be using Tor, the, the Onion Router system right. or something like that. So effectively, it means that your IP is masked and breaks out somewhere on the uh, on, in the USA, uh, and that means that Hulu runs fine. There's a little bit of lag. Once it gets up and running, it actually worked, worked really well. So that was a very useful tip, and I was uh, really appreciative of, of it. So thank you very much for that, Annette. So now you you have access to a lot more content on your computer. I think it's ridiculous that we have these restrictions. And the BBC has had these in the past, too, that nobody yeah. outside of your country can watch these. And I, a little bit, I understand uh, the BBC because taxpayers pay for that. Yeah. But I don't know. If, if you're giving away your content online, why not give it away to everybody who has a, a connection to the Internet? Uh, I, I just we, don't get yeah. it. We know that's not the uh, media industry's way to give anything away. But, you know, these restrictions that they place on here, Bill Palmer... This just encourages people to use uh, torrent sites and download it illegally, right? Well, sure. I mean, uh, the, the media is still playing by old rules that they made a long time ago that no longer apply. I always thought we were special because we got the shows years before you guys in the UK. And then, I, you know, I got I got a nice case of uh, whiplash when I started watching Doctor Who on TV and found out I was like yeah. three years behind. You know, yeah. the, new, the new Doctor <laughs> Who. And, and that, that doesn't change over by now. So I feel your pain on that one, David. That doesn't even stack up anymore because um, because our our content providers are so keen to get us the hot US shows as quickly as they can. They, you know, they the stuff's coming out normally the week afterwards. Heroes has been running pretty much parallel with with um, with releases in the states, so even that doesn't make sense anymore. Now, does this, David, make you want to hack your Apple TV to get Hulu on there? Well, I don't know whether I could make Hulu uh, come through the Apple TV this way because I don't see any way to get the uh, the hotspot stuff running on the Apple TV as well, which I would have to do if I wanted to stream directly from Hulu to the Apple There's TV. There's got to be a way to be able to hack your router to make it give you an American IP address, at least via DHCP, so your Apple TV thinks that it's running uh, in the U.S., yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to use a, uh, a a Linux PC or something as a router instead of um, instead of the uh, Airport Extreme I use at the moment because I I don't think there's any way to do that with the Airport Extreme. I yeah. don't know. I I mean it would be great. I, that would be the perfect situation because I'd much rather stream this stuff directly on the TV than than sit and watch it on my computer. Absolutely, yeah, David, I'm, did I'm you, exactly the same boat. Did you try a boxy? David, because I know you can you can get the Apple TV through a programmable dongle 
to yeah. uh, run Boxy are using that. That's right. That's right. But the problem the problem is is that my Apple TV would show up with a UK IP address, and Hulu would not play ball with that. Yeah, still in the same. Maybe the the hackers that have worked so hard to bring some of these. From my understanding, I haven't got it to work myself yet. Uh, great new features for the Apple TV that the way they've hacked it. Maybe somebody is going to come up with a way to uh, spoof your IP address so you can watch it. That, I think that would be the solution. We've yeah, that, that'd be great. But got to be honest, I'm I'm probably going to be hitting eBay in the next couple of days and hitting up a hundred dollar uh, iTunes gift card so I can start buying some stuff over the holidays for direct from the American iTunes store from with my Apple TV. Now, are you interested in maybe hooking up a Mac Mini to your television and, and watching it that way? Because you could spoof the IP address on a Mac Mini. Yeah, that would work actually. I might have to. I do have a Mac Mini that that's um, that's sort of sat anything? in the living room, so <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, I might might have to look into that. Yeah, you know, I tried hooking up my Mac, Mac Mini. Um, it's a G4 Mac Mini, so this was probably three, four years ago, mm-hmm. to my television, and I got it working. But the problem is, and I do have an HD TV, but it's an old HD TV. In other words, it's um, uh, oh, geez, it weighs maybe 150, 175 pounds. So it's a CRT. Uh, it's a CRT HD TV. Supports uh, 1080i. Doesn't support 1080p. Uh, and I have to use composite cables to hook it up. So it's not the greatest solution, but quite honestly, my black level on that TV is much better than any flat screen you'll see. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks fantastic. The problem is it's so outdated now. I can't hook up a lot of the new stuff to it directly like I want to. Tim, are you using the Elgato product with your uh, Mini? No, all the Mini does here is hooked up to the uh, oh, three- or four-year-old SnapScan and then uh, I think it's either a Lexmark or an HP flat panel or flat panel, flatbed scanner. And so it's just basically a scan machine. My wife got it into her head, oh, maybe a year ago that she wanted to get all her uh, sisters and her brother's pictures and scan them in for whatever reason, you know, just to scan them in for them. I don't think she really understood the, the depth of this project. And she probably went through a couple thousand pictures and she has maybe, I don't know, 50,000 more to go. And she lost steam, but that's why I set the Mac Mini up where it is, so she can sit there and you know scan, 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 and scan. And when it starts getting a little bit too full, um, I connect to it with my iMac, back up all those scan photos to an external hard drive, and I also burn them to a DVD, uh, erase them off that machine, and she can start over. Uh, and we also do that with a lot of the... My wife is really into keeping all the kids' uh, projects like they did in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a picture or anything like that, she'll scan that stuff in too, and I, I think it's kind of cool. Very David, cool. there's a couple. There's a couple of really uh, great multimedia how-to's that uh, utilize a Mac Mini and the Elgato hardware uh, as the connection between the Mac Mini and your uh, and your television. Uh, that then give you a lot of uh, hacking advice on how you can get through a lot of these other uh, issues that you're dealing with. You might check into that. Cool. I'll have to, uh, you, I'll have to check it out. As you're perusing eBay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> long, long, long time uh, MyMac podcast listener, Antonio Gomez, sent in a, uh, a question. He says, I have a question for you regarding a bootable external hard drive for the Mac OS 10.5. I want to make a bootable clone back up of my Intel iMac. Can the disk be USB 2.0 or does it have to be FireWire? Go ahead, David. I know the answer, but I'll let you answer this one. Uh, well, I th- my understanding with a with a Intel Mac is it will boot fine off a USB drive. So if you're using SuperDuper or Carbon Copy Cloner, 
then um, you should be golden. Yep. Uh, my understanding at first was, no, you have to have Firewire. Um, but then I did a little research, and I found out, actually, no, it doesn't have to be Firewire. With the new Intel machines, you can actually boot from a USB 2.0 drive. Aye. I'm, I've never done it, though. Has anybody, have you ever done that, Bill? Um, no, but now i got to go try it, just to see if it works. <laughs> just to see if it works. I don't need it, but i gotta, I got to know one way or the other. Mark? I have booted from a, a, a standard drive, and it's worked fine. The only thing I haven't tried yet is like a, a jump drive, a multi-gig jump drive, to see if that possibly works. But I, I think I remember reading something in one of the forums that I perused that it's even possible with a jump drive. Uh, Pat, in our USB chat right now, you, uh, I'm sorry, USB, US Stream TV, uh, Ustream TV, gosh, I tell you, it's it's, it's Friday and it's 7.30 at night and, and my brain is a little soaked right now. Uh, he is saying that he is actually running macOS 10.5 Leopard from a USB external drive, so it, it can be done. And it's it's kind of important because you can't have internal drives other than the one that it ships with in the iMacs or the Mac Mini or uh, any of the laptops. And if you ever want to do repairs on it without having to boot up through this DVD, um, this is a good way of doing that. Uh, yeah, a lot of the the programs that I use, um, I'm just drawing a uh, Disk Warrior, for instance, can't do anything if it's running on the same drive that the machine is running on. In other words, I can't install it on my Mac and then have it repair that Mac. So I will install it on an external. I use FireWire. I install it on a bootable FireWire hard drive that's running the current Mac. The only thing that's on there is the Mac OS. I don't in- install a lot of crap on there at all. And then when I need to repair my Mac, I boot up from that disk, that drive, and I can do everything on the internal drive at that point. It works much better that way. Hey, yeah. Tim, um, I have a, a question for you and maybe uh, for a discussion topic. You know, we're, we're talking about Macworld. We're talking about the possible uh, new offerings from Apple and and the economy and sales and these things. And, and it's been reported this past week that uh, according to the smartphone sales numbers from Gartner and Display Search, that netbook sales numbered 4.7 million, iPhones uh, as well as a uh, you know kind of a, a little disparage there between the netbook sales and the and and the iPhone sales, whereas the netbooks are actually beginning to creep up and, and surpass the iPhone sales. What do you think? I mean, do you, do you think that's something that Apple should be looking at as these begin to grow more and more? Well, Steve Jobs said that they don't know how to make a cheap Mac. Um, I don't know if by cheap he means inexpensive or by cheap he means cheap, um, inferior quality. Yeah. I think if Apple comes out with a netbook, and that's definitely a possibility for uh, a couple weeks from now, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's going to be on the inexpensive side. I think it's going to be nine ninety nine at the low end. Um but I don't know. I don't know if Apple really wants to get into that market. Will coming out with a netbook cannibalize MacBook Air sales? Uh, but if anybody's going to cannibalize MacBook Air sales, Bill Palmer, it's going to be Apple, right? Yeah, I mean, they've started to diversify the line. And, and I never would have believed Apple would have gone in the netbook direction. But the MacBook Air does kind of, you know, it's the first computer you'd buy that is sort of dependent on another computer. You don't have a CD-ROM drive. You don't have a really a hard drive to hold uh, probably all of your data. But Apple also doesn't seem to really do nerdy, if, if that makes any sense, or maybe nerdy. No, I, it absolutely does. I, I get that completely. 
Um, maybe maybe niche is more more of the word. Um, if Apple thinks, uh, you know, because the iPhone didn't go after the smartphone. The only reason Apple is doing an iPhone is because they think they can compete with the Razer and every other cheap flip phone out there, which they seem to be doing successfully. Uh, you wouldn't see Apple launch an iPhone that would just compete with those six percent of the people using a BlackBerry. So, exactly. I, you know, we'd have to see how big this netbook market potentially is and how big Apple thinks is, you know, could be. Uh, hey, I think hey, they're going to. Yeah, I, I think they're going to bide their time. I mean, look how long people were calling for an Apple phone before they actually brought out an Apple phone. It was like three, four years. The rumors were there every year, and I think the, uh, the netbook rumor will be the same. It will, you know, there'll be two, three years of, uh, of people speculating and suggesting and analysts saying they should and all of that sort of thing before they actually decide it's something they want to get into. Um, let me pose this alternative. What if, with these developing and, and, and basically uh, current technologies that they develop for the iPhone, how difficult would it be for them to take the, the touch interface and, and Bluetooth and, and, and the guts that they've already developed for the iPhone platform and increase a screen size to, let's say, like uh, 7 or 8, maybe 10 inches and make that type of a device that would be kind of a little bit larger for surfing the net and and give you that a tablet in, in other words yeah in essence and allow or allow you as a tablet that then had bluetooth that you could then connect a keyboard to it and and uh, utilize it that way i mean i don't think a tablet be, needs a keyboard i think that's kind of the point of a tablet if you need a keyboard use your mac mm-hmm. uh, if you need something portable use your iphone if you want to sit on the couch and play some of these really cool games on something larger than the iPhone, mm-hmm. here's this tablet Mac that's completely compatible with every piece of software that the iPhone runs, except for it's the screen's three times larger. Do you think that would be something you'd be interested in, Bill? Or do you think there's even a market for that? I don't know. You know, I, I've been wrestling with the fact that I, I, now that I have an iPhone, I hardly use my laptop. Anymore, I never use it as yeah, a laptop. Yeah, I read that article of yours. Yeah, so that it's kind of becoming your laptop. It's like the definitions are are changing so fast. And I'll say this about you know you mentioned that um, so they could be developing a, nap, a, a netbook, but maybe it's a year away from being ready. Apple's and maybe you talked about this before. I wandered back into the room, but Apple's back is kind of against the wall on this keynote, and that, that they've revved all of their existing products in the past six months. And it's a kind of keynote, you know, where Steve might feel pressured to pre-announce something that's not even going to be ready for like a year, year and a half, like he kind of did with OS X back in 2000 when the, the flat-screen iMac wasn't ready that year, or, you know, or, or so they say. And we might see something that's just way, way down the road, just so Steve can go out there and announce something and he doesn't look like a fool announcing iDVD 4.0 and everybody's going to say, well, Apple's getting hit by the uh, recession too. But maybe we see just something crazy that's way down the road. Maybe it is something like a netbook. They'd be really vague so it can't get ripped off by the competitors, but you know, just based on the current circumstances, we might see just something crazy. See, I- you know, one of the things that I would like to see, I would like to be able to use my iPhone as a controller to play some of these iPhone games, but I want to do it on my television. Wouldn't there be a great product placement type of place for Apple to build the next version of the Apple TV that it can do that, that it can take whatever's on your iPhone and put it on your television? Do you think that that's something, Mark, that uh, would be a big seller? Because that's personally something I want to see, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a big seller. 
it's really interesting that you say that because Erica Sadoon, in uh, researching some of the new features of the iPhone that came out for 2.2, has actually found that there is a, a, a video out capability that is within the software that obviously is capable within the hardware, and they've already been testing. Yeah, I've seen those, but I don't want to hook up my iPhone physically to my Apple TV. I want to do it wirelessly, and it's already got all the capabilities. Both the Apple TV and the iPhone have Wi-Fi built in. I don't need a cable. Sure seems like that's a direction they're going. I, I would really like to see something like that. I think that if Apple really wants to get serious about games, it has to be in the living room. Um, it has to be on the television. I, I have to sit down and, and be able to see it. Uh, really good. That being said, let me. I want to uh, mention something here, and I, I alluded to this before we even started recording. Uh, to you, David. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, Bill was around at the time that I was talking about this. I have found they're not a sponsor. They don't even know I'm going to do this. I'll send them a note to uh, let them know that I said this. But I have found my personal must-have game on the iPhone. For a while, um, it was uh, that. The tower game. What was that called? I'm looking it up right now. It was desktop field, tower assault. Field, no, 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 well, no. Field runners. Field, field runners right. is is a really fun game, but it's kind of passive. You know, you build your defenses and you sit back and you watch the marching armies come through and you hope that your towers will defend your little kingdom. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I also tried tap defense, which is kind of the same thing, but much more lame. <laughs> um. I like uh, StarCraft type of games, RTSs. Um, I like, uh, what's the other big RTS? I'm drawing a blank, David. Command um, and Conquer. Command and Conquer. I really liked Command and Conquer. I didn't like it as much as StarCraft, but they're very similar games. You you build your town or your base. You build an army. You harvest something to give you money so you can upgrade and buy and, th- and that sort of thing. And I thought I would like something like that on the iPhone, but I just couldn't figure out how anybody could really make a game like that on the iPhone. The controls, you really need a mouse for that kind of game. And I just didn't think anybody could do it on the iPhone. Well, I was wrong, thankfully. There's a program called, there's a game called Warfare Inc. Now, I posted a video of this up at atminute.com a couple days ago. And watching the video a few times, it looked exactly like what I wanted, an RTS real tri- real time strategy uh very similar to you know StarCraft that sort of game and uh action packed you know you you build an army you build your de- your defenses your base you harvest this mineral or whatever heck it is and you attack the other army that's out there and they attack you and it's called Warfare Inc and I've been playing it David all day long I love this game it's 5 bucks 4.99 in the App Store I love it. I, I can't give it a high enough rating. I, I'm. I think this is a fantastic game. Well, I. I mean, I. I'm a big fan of strategy games as well. And when you posted that video, I immediately uh, sat up and took notice. And if, it's only because I haven't got around to, to to downloading it yet that I haven't got it on my iPhone already. No, I, I have to say it took me the the very first two or three missions is really getting you used to the controls, and that was really I, the graphics. I knew would probably be good regardless. Uh, and I know how to play these games intuitively. I don't need a hand-holding tutorial on, you know, harvest this, build that, harvest this, upgrade that. You need more power, build a power plant, that sort of thing. I didn't need that. 
yeah. I understand those ca- concepts intuitively because I've been playing games like this for 15 years. What I needed help with is learning how to control stuff. Um, and it does a, a fairly good job of, of walking you through the process. And now that I've done, you know, two or three games on it, two or three levels, I should say, it, I think it's completely intuitive. It could use a little bit more tweaking, but man, it's a lot of fun. I really, really dig this game. I, I, I really do. So highest rating warfare Inc. I'll, if I remember, let me, I'll do it right now. I'll put a, uh, make a link, <laughs> make a link to warfare Inc. And I will uh, put this in the show notes for show 213. Fun game. I like it. I even talked to Chad Perry on the phone today um, simply to tell him, because he really likes these games as well, this this RTS type of game. Um, And and in fact, Chad's like me. We still play the original StarCraft. And I've had StarCraft a year before anybody else had StarCraft because Blizzard sent me a preview copy. Um, And I still play that game. I still like it. But this, it's portable. I can bust it out. I can play for five minutes. It has a great save feature. You bring up the menu. You hit save. It saves exactly right where you're at. I The next time I launch the game, I'm right where I left off. It, it just works. The sound effects are good. Um, the graphics are good. It, it just works. You were going to say something, Mark? Yeah, my question was, um, have, you, have you been able to try the multiplayer function out of it, or is it... I, I don't even know if it has multiplayer, to be honest. Uh, let me launch it here, and I'll see what the multiplayer If I'm not even sure if it has it, does yeah, I'm it? Looking, I'm looking at their website, and it says, yeah, two to four player multiplayer capabilities. It says coming soon to the iPhone, yeah. yeah. Right. Hmm. Oh, and the now, beta, I don't know. There is uh, Warfare Incorporated is the name of the game. Uh, they do have a button that says add-on mission pack, so I'm going to click that and see what happens. Connecting to server... My understanding was by just uh, looking at this briefly, the, the the product description, that you can actually get more mission packs for this game, and uh, most of it is free. It's done by the community itself, and so you've got li- limitless hours of playing this game with different maps, different uh, objections, and I just clicked the button, and, and here it is, yeah. Number of players is only one so far, but... Here's a whole bunch of extra maps that I can download to my iPhone directly cool. um, from the app. One of them has ten missions. One of them has nine, eight, seven, six, and the, it's a long list. I'm scrolling through through it, and there's just a ton of add-on mission packs for this game. So I'm literally going to be able to play this for the next you know year. Yeah, their website says it's twenty story missions and two hundred plus add-on missions, and mm-hmm. so they're really a lot of missions that are being developed for it. Now, I will say, I was playing uh, Field Runners quite a bit. That was kind of my must-have game for a while there. For about two weeks, I was really into Field Runners. But Field Runners was really draining the battery in my iPhone quickly. Um, after playing Warfare Incorporated today, pretty much all day, my iPhone still has half a charge. And I've been playing this game all day long. So... It, I don't know why it just doesn't seem to take as much power as uh, some of the other stuff that I got for the iPhone. I don't know why, but I really like the game. It's fun. Graphics are for what it is. It's great. I mean, it's pretty small on your screen, so if you have bad eyesight, you're not going to play this game. Um, and again, like I said, the controls take a little bit of getting used to, but you know, it's a it's a fun game. It's very well done on the iPhone. It's probably a port, I imagine. But, you know, it's going to be one that I think I'm going to be playing sitting next to Guy Searle on the plane going to San Francisco. I'm going to tell him to be quiet so I can play 
Warfare Incorporated. <laughs> yeah. and, and then when we land in uh, San Francisco, guy will want to go to the Apple Store so he can buy an iPhone and get this game. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's just one of those games, Bill, that you know is really fun. Now, iProng, you guys cover the iPod generation, which includes the iPhone, of course. Uh, are you guys going to cover a lot more games in your magazine? Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it was prior to the whole, uh, you know, sort of uh, legitimate applications coming out of the App Store, is the word I'm looking for. I mean, you, you couldn't write, how much could you write about the iPod and iPhone? It's a piece of hardware. This is what it does, this is what it comes with, you can't change it. So, yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's a whole other thing. It, I mean, there's there's almost as much software coming out for the iPhone, it seems, as, as there is for the Mac. So it's a huge... More uh, right now. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of developers really jumped on the, the iPhone platform because... Well, let's be honest, they saw money in them that are hills. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I came up with Big Words, because I want to make some money from iPhone development. It's it's, it, But I don't want to just, personally, I don't want to just write something that I hope a ton of people will buy. I want to uh, I want to have an application out there that's worth owning. And we found the right developer for this. And uh, the marketing that we're going to do in support of Big Words Hopefully it'll sell, I don't know, half a million copies. That would be awesome. I don't think it will, but you never know. We could. And iProng Magazine, you know, you guys, this is this is your industry, and it's opened it up. The, the app store has opened it up wide for you guys. You guys can cover anything now. Well, think about this. Just think about Macworld Expo. Last year's Expo, how many iPhone or iPod Touch software developers were there? Like zero, two, you know? Zero. Well, yeah, zero, right? At the last Macworld Expo, there was no development i mean for the right. iphone yeah i mean it was the underground you know hacking stuff this year it, it is going to be I, I would imagine a ton maybe not i'm going to afford a booth but i think we'll see a bunch of that it's like a whole other category so i, mean, I think we're going to see at the expo just how quickly the the sort of the balance of the industry is changing it's not about leather ipod cases anymore so much as it is about the latest uh, big words or, or whatever you can you know whatever's in there. i got a i got an email today um I won't say the person's name. Uh, let me see if the name of the company is here. I don't see it. Let me jump down. It was a. <clears throat> I hate when pe- uh, press people send me an email and it's like two and a half megabytes. It's not so big anymore. I mean, I've got a high speed connection, but back in the day, they'd send that out, freak out on a fifty six k modem. Oh, what are you doing sending that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paramount Digital Entertainment. I got this email, uh, and she sent me some codes for both these games, so I'm going to download them after we're done recording the podcast. Uh, one of them is called Saturday Night Fever Dance, Tap to Boogie. <laughs> and the graphics show just, I guess that's supposed to be John Travolta, but I, I, I'm not even sure how it works yet. And the other one is Iron Man. And uh, that looks kind of cool. It's shooting down jets and missiles, and it, it looks pretty cool. So there's just all kinds of applications coming out for this platform, and it's very exciting. And, you know, again, I know most of the people listening to this podcast are Mac users, I hope. I mean, it's called the My Mac Podcast. Um, and I and I got to assume, because I really haven't got any hate mail about to talking about the iPhone so much, uh, most of them are either current iPhone or iPod Touch users or they're planning on it. And it kind of goes hand in hand with the whole Mac platform, don't you think, Mark? I absolutely do. Um, it's it's interesting. Um, you're talking about gaming on on the uh, iPhone and iPod Touch as a platform. Do you think, Tim? You know, as a developer and and playing the amount of games that you do on the iPhone, do you think that Apple is going to be able to 
start making some inroads into uh, some of the established gaming platforms. I, I was just reading a news article that Nintendo, that this November has been huge for Nintendo. The, the Wii and the DS, uh, the sales are through the roof. What, what do you think in terms of the inroads that Apple can make? I think they can, but they have to get in the living room. Um, they're already a competitor to the DS. Um, uh, that being said, they're not making half the money that Nintendo is making with the DS platform, but that's well established, and that's been going on for you know, over a decade at this point. Not just the DS, but the Game Boy itself. Um, so that's really the, well. the company to watch. Yeah. Um, but, well, the PSP, though, is re- I, I, I see sales are up and down for the PSP, but mm-hmm. I own a PSP, and I don't even buy games for it anymore because it's such a boring platform. It really is. Right. I literally have to go to a store and buy a little disc and then come home and put it in the machine and then play it. And if it sucks, well, I just wasted 30 bucks. Right. Whereas with the iPhone, um, most... Everything on the iPhone is ten bucks or less. Uh, it's very spur of the moment. That I can buy the applications not only on my computer but on the device that I'm going to play it on as well. I tap two buttons, and it's installed on my on my uh, handheld, and I'm playing the game five minutes later. It's fantastic. It's a game changer. How can Apple bring that level of <clears throat> click this, buy this, play this to the living room? And I think what I was talking about earlier syncing up my iPhone as a controller mm-hmm. with my Apple TV, and I think that would really be a game changer for Apple and the gaming industry as a whole. Kind of like the way that it that it takes over you know, the remote app application that they currently sell in the App Store that helps to run the Apple TV. If they could do something that would enable you to play that game on your big screen TV and then you use your, your iPhone as your, your controller. Right. I would say you would... Um, you know, you'd launch the game, you'd launch, you'd launch something on your iPhone that says, I want to play it on my Apple TV, and then you choose what you want to play. And iTunes, would, anytime you buy something that's compatible, any game, um, it would just automatically sync it to your Apple TV as well as your iPhone. So the next time you're in front of your Apple TV with your iPhone and you launch that game and you're going to play it on your television, boom, it's already there. It's not like it has to stream video from the iPhone to the Apple TV. Right. The the program is already on the Apple TV. Because mo- exactly, and so at that point, the Apple TV, or I'm sorry, the iPhone is just a controller. I think it's a brilliant idea. I think somebody at Apple has definitely looked at this possibility. Don't you think, Bill? How practical do you think that is? And I ask this naively because I'm not much of a gamer. But it's one thing to play, a, even like the the Warcraft Incorporated or. I think I just got the name wrong, but uh, you play that on your iPhone. You get a phone call. It rings. The game pauses. You know, you go back afterwards. But if you're playing, you know, using your iPhone as a controller on your TV and the phone rings. And it then, pauses the game. Does it pause it on the TV, too? Absolutely. Okay, because sure. it just seems like, I mean, I, I wonder just theoretically, and we'll find out over the next couple of years, how much can you do with a device that rings when it's your phone? And as much as I like to make fun of the iPod Touch for being just a terrible communications device once you leave your house, I almost wonder if the Touch might be a better gaming platform for what you're talking about because there's I no think it's the same thing. It's Well, yes, but if you already have the phone, you've got the phone because it's a phone. If you weren't interested in the phone features, you would have just got the iPod Touch. But I think that uh, there's nothing that you can't do. I don't think there's any market for the iPod Touch that the iPhone can't um, be in as well. And I think that, you know, uh, 
this idea would work just as well for an iPhone as well as an iPod Touch. Or, or um, how about this? You rather than rather than extend the iPhone or the iPod Touch to the TV, why not build the software support for the um, for the iPhone platform into the Apple TV itself? Well, I think so that's, the, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about, though. So, so you'd actually be running the game on the Apple TV, and the phone and or the touch it. would be the controller. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. and, and, and to answer uh, your question, though, Bill, if you don't want that interruption, put your phone into airport mode. Well, what about people like me where my iPhone, other than my Skype line, my, my iPhone is my only phone? And I, and I and maybe not so much for me. Well, that's, a, that's your choice. If you put like, it in, in air, air phone, or airplane mode, they can't call you. Yeah, uh, but then you, you say, want well, inter- what if inter- you corrupted, uh, If you want in, uninterrupted gameplay, you just put it in airport mode. If you don't, you're just playing your game and the phone rings. It pauses the game. Hello, yep, okay, okay, bye. Hang up, boom, the game unpauses. Is you know, you, I, I don't see a problem. And you know, Tanner, like, go ahead, Bill. I was just gonna say, like, well, what if it, I just think of it just because my iPhone being my only phone, like, you know, yeah, if I'm playing a game, I don't probably not gonna take a phone call. But what if it's like, you know, I don't know, my uncle Charlie calling, who would never call me unless, like, you know, there was an emergency, somebody's in the hospital. I just wonder, because I don't really use the phone much. I'm really not a phone person. People know they email me if they want to get a fast response, but some people, their iPhone is the only phone, they're on the phone, like, all day long. And I just wonder, some people are on the phone with one hand while they're gaming or doing something else with another. I, I just wonder how much, how much, at what point do you get to the point where the fact you can only do one thing with the iPhone at a time just, um, you know, becomes some kind of a... Well, if you're that big into the gaming thing, then you probably would buy an iPod Touch to go along with your iPhone, and the, and the iPod Touch is nothing but the game controller for your Apple TV. I guess that's well, what I'm getting know. at. I wonder if there's you know there's no reason to buy both right now, but maybe that's a reason to buy both. Apple. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think there's any reason to buy both, even in your scenario, because if someone's going to call me, I'm going to stop playing the game anyway, so you know, it, it just pauses the game. You know, the interesting thing about what you're saying, Tim, is it really fits because if you stop and think about the horsepower, let's take the Apple TV for just a moment as an example. It has the processing power to encode and decode HDTV, um, you know, content such as, uh, you know, in that resolution. So it, it wouldn't seem to me to be that much of a strain to run any of the games that would run on the uh, on the iPhone currently. Uh, here's something that no one said anything about. Everyone realizes that the Apple TV has a USB 2.0 port, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't you get a camera and turn your Apple TV into a real um, person-to-person iChat type of device so you can literally have video chat on your television? I mean, it's already decoding HDTV, right? It's already got that capability built in. Why couldn't you do chat on it? Well, but there's no reason why not. I mean, basically, right. the thing is, the hardware is just a low-end Mac Mini anyway. Right. So that could be something that might come out at Macworld Expo, turning yeah. your Apple TV into, or better yet, an Apple TV that has a built-in eyesight. Yeah. Hmm, API. Apple hasn't opened the API to the to the Apple TV, but it's clearly been hacked um, in so many different areas. So it, in its current iteration, I think the Apple TV. Um, is on live support. I think Apple is going to do something radically different with it really soon, and I think Take it's it going up. to have something to do with the iPhone platform. I think that's going to be Apple's um, foray into the living room, and, and it's going to be something to do with games and something to do with telecommunications. What that is would be a very elegant solution because it's coming from Apple, 
and it's something that I don't think any of us has seen before, and it's going to be a product that's almost recession-proof, and it's going to blow a lot of people away, and I think that we're going to see whatever this is, if I'm right, in about three weeks' time. Yeah. That being said, uh, once again, our podcast is next Thursday. Anybody wants to join us in the Ustream, we're way, way over on time. We're already an hour and a half old, uh, into this podcast, so we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, Mark, thanks a lot for coming on to the show this week, man. And it's welcome, been my pleasure. Welcome to MyMac.com. been a blast, and, and thanks a lot for having me. Bill Palmer, you're going to be at the Macworld Expo. What should we look for you there? What are you going to be doing? What what coverage are you going to be focusing on? Uh, you'll, you'll find me, I guess, at the, the booths that have iPod and iPhone stuff. Much as I love the Mac, I never get to see much of the Mac stuff at the Expo. And if you want to meet Bill Palmer in person, we, we know that he's almost definitely going to be uh, at the MyMac meetup Monday, January 5th, 3 p.m., Moscone South. Hopefully Bill's going to be there. If not, maybe he'll be uh, at his favorite restaurant in the entire world afterwards. <laughs> we'll meet you at Mel's there, uh, Bill. Yeah, we'll, we'll meet you at Mel's. And uh, David Cohen, we'll be joining him on Skype during the Macworld Expo because he's got much more important things to do, family matters that he needs to attend to. We've, we've said what that yeah. is, haven't we, on the show? We have, yeah. My, my yeah. wife is expecting uh, our second child in April. So um, she's uh, she's just reaching that stage now when moving around is starting to become a bit more difficult, and uh, you know she's getting a lot more tired, and so consequently I shall be I shall be providing family support during Matt World Expo and utilizing the time difference, keep up to date on everything that's going on over there. Well, hopefully we'll see you in uh, 2010 in San Francisco. That'd be great. Hopefully you can make it for that. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, so. But I, I want to thank you guys for being on the show this week. And, of course, we want to thank Sam Levin for being on and Mark for showing up and talking about their product. And we're going to wrap it up now. So for Bill, David, and Mark, I'm Tim Robertson, and thanks for listening. And thank you for downloading and listening to the MyMac.com podcast.